Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. I only have one question. Do you think I deserve your full attention? That's what I like to hear. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to 90.3 WRST-FM Oshkosh. This is Script to Screen, and I'm your host, Max. And joining me here in the booth is Gideon. How's it going? Uh, and today we are going to be talking about the films uh, Blade Runner 2049 and Alien Covenant, both uh, from the Ridley Scott universes of cinema and uh, both kind of coming in this modern era of blockbusters and modern sci-fi cinema. And uh, what do you want to talk about first here, Gideon? Uh, let's do Blade Runner, um, the one that's not actually directed by Ridley Scott. Yeah. Uh, I Yeah, it was only produced, I believe, correct? Yeah, but it's still, it's still interesting how, like, he's doing, or both of these are kind of coming 40 years-ish after the original uh, creations. Blade Runner, in the case of Blade Runner, um, 20 or 40 or 40-ish years after, and no sequels in between either. Um, so this is the first kind of uh, re-entry into the universe. So really interesting stuff happening here. Yep, uh, I, w- I would definitely say so. I, I watched the first Blade Runner, the original one, uh, I think within the year, um, within the year, and it it was pretty good, I thought. Um, I, I was actually surprised. I didn't think I would like it as much as I did. Kind of f- had this indie vibe to it, like somehow like, Towards the second half of it, it definitely um, went away from the sci-fi I was expecting it to be in more of this, um, I don't even know how to describe it. It almost, I mean, it really almost felt like some indie uh, psychodrama. No, in, in, the fir- in, the fir- in the first Blade Runner, I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then this one feels definitely more like a traditional um, action sci-fi. This one still definitely shares the same vibes as the first Blade Runner, but yeah. I think it it handles its story better throughout and it keeps the viewer enthralled much better than the first one did. Um, yeah, the the first Blade Runner, to me, is kind of like... I've only seen it once um, and my experience with the film was, was very much so like there's so much like creativity on the screen um, that Ridley Scott's bringing to the table yeah. and just a lot of ideas being thrown out there especially with the aesthetic and everything like that um but in the end it does it does feel kind of haphazard in its approach to the story um and i'm not really sure what it's trying to say through its story um whereas with blade runner 2049 i'm much more connect to not only the the literal plot elements but also like what it's actually trying to do um like it's just very to me it's just very clear every scene has it has a has a real intention um yeah Compared to 2049, where that, or to the original, where it's just like I'm not. It it just feels like it's very much uh, throwing throwing something on the wall and to see what sticks. And yeah. that again, I I've only seen it once, so I feel like going back to it, it might it might show up uh, and sh- reveal to me why it is the classic that it is. Um, but again, that was my reaction to the film, both films on my first watches. There is a funny story I have about my first time uh, seeing any sort of Blade Runner uh, stuff. One of my favorite Star Wars parodies has a scene in it where Darth Vader's watching the opening of the original Blade Runner, and I didn't know that until I watched Blade Runner last year or earlier this year. And um, it was 
it was very funny and it shocked me and just made that so much more enjoyable. Um, but with this, with this Blade Runner 2049, uh, one cool thing I like about it is its opening isn't as drawn out as the original and it, um, kind of gets into action right away. It, it draws the viewer in, um, I won't go into too much plot detail. I don't know if we want to get into spoilers or not with this one. Uh, how would, yeah, I mean, there. It's had a few I feel years. Like I to have to to get into to say what I want to say about true. this movie. Okay, so just a little bit of a warning in in uh, the coming minutes here. Uh, there will be spoilers for Blade Runner twenty forty nine. But regardless, even if it gets a little spoiled, still go watch it. I think it was a film worth seeing right off the bat. Yeah, I mean, I I would also say it's not it's not really an action movie. Yes. Um, it gets neither in, was the first one really. No, no, no. Yeah, neither of them are action, and neither of them are. Or I mean, maybe the first one is. I don't really know. the. This one isn't really uh, sci-fi so much in the in the way that you expect. And by by what I mean by that is is it's not so much concerned with the literal sci-fi elements and and how the the replicant. It's it's a movie about robots, right? Um, and about how uh, the replicants are being hunted by the Blade Runners um, who, who shut down the older models because they're, they're no longer functional for the human society. Um, but the movie is not so much concerned with uh, what it, what's uh, the science behind that so much as it is the, the metaphorical intent Yes. Uh, of that, and the first one I think is more concerned with like who or who is not a a a, a, a replicant, uh, what is or is not, uh, and, and what a is robot. sentience, what is, but and yes, what is it? But here I think it's it. This one's more concerned with the sentience issue, um, which is more thematic than what is, is or is not a robot, if that makes sense. Mm. And I feel like the 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 original touches on that idea of sentience, but I feel like. 2049 has a much clearer overall perspective on what is or not is not sentience and it goes beyond that in the way that it metaphorically like uses its characters uh archetypally as well as like mythologically if that makes sense i i yeah. really need to get into specifics to talk about it so you want to go like a, yeah, do a quick summary of the plot first let me play a little uh clip here from uh i believe this is a trailer Replicants are like any other machine. They're either a benefit or a hazard. But if they're a benefit, it's not my problem. like that one was a, a little bit more of a visual trailer. <laughs> I mean, the movie overall is, is that way too. The movie doesn't have uh, a ton of dialogue in the in the in the way that a typical it's it's not it's not written by Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, I I, I would agree. And again, it's a it it shares that trait with the first one, and um, definitely they did a great job matching. Um, like I said, the vibe of these, and and given the time difference, because when was the first Blade Runner made? 82. 82? So. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. So, you have um, 35 years of, of cinema 
progression and for them to somehow still get the tone right and putting it into the modern era, but still um, understanding what made the first one so good and so unique um, is, is, is hard to find. And, and again, I would argue the sequel is better than the first, which is an even rarer trait um, that, that very few uh, film franchises share. Um, I mean, you could argue that a lot of people argue that in uh, this, the franchise, we're going to talk about that aliens uh, is better than Alien. I do, I disagree with that, but I haven't seen much of that series because I, you know me. I'm always somebody who wants to start from the beginning and always go chronological. Yeah, I don't understand that, but because <laughs> I want to watch a, a a film series from the beginning, from moment one of when you should start caring about these characters through, and then you know, and then you've built. Yeah, it but up. to me, it's not the the. Oftentimes, chronological storytelling is not is not necessarily the the best way to communicate a narrative. True. Um, For, I, I can understand why some people would say that, but I don't know. I'm I'm somebody who would like to go in and like edit if there's a movie with like flashbacks or something. Just put the flashbacks right at the beginning and like mess with it and kind of work with it so it, it does flow in a chronological way. But um, with the story of of this film uh, with Blade Runner twenty forty nine, it essentially is this this guy. He is. Uh, He's a robot, essentially, and he is one of the Blade Runners, and he's essentially yeah. hunting down... A his, replicant who is a yeah. Blade Runner. So at this point, in the first one, I don't even know if they have any replicants that are Blade Runners, but here no. he is a replicant who is also a Blade Runner who is hunting down older replicants. He's a later um, model that, that, so, that yeah. had the issues fixed that that made the uh, original replicants dangerous. Right. And uh, because he's more compliant... Um, yeah, so right at the beginning, you've got Dave Dave Bautista's character who says to him, uh, "How do you, like what poses the question? How do you feel about hunting down your own kind, and like why does that not affect you?" Um, which mm-hmm. he's a robot, so technically, like you'd think that it wouldn't because he's got you know he he has no conscience. He's just functioning based off, based off of his code. Um, that's the implication that we see. All of these things are like implied based on. That's never, none of that is directly stated, and that's something the movie does really well, is, is the way that it implies its narrative and uses visuals to tell it pretty much the entire time. Like It's very dialogue light throughout the entire thing. Mm. Yeah, I I would agree, and, and it, it definitely kind of lets the visual aspects of things kind of tell the story for it. Yeah. And Roger and, Deakins, uh, cinematographer for this film, uh, well, I think won his first first Oscar for this. I think that's what happened. Um, de- well deserved for a basically lifetime of incredible work. Um, but what he's doing here, I think, is really interesting because it's not um, showy cinematography in the way that that some like nineteen seventeen, for example. I think he won for last year and in 1917 it's very much more of a, a show-off type of thing where he's like moving the camera and we're not going to cut the entire time and it's we're going to do all this crazy a little more Whereas, gimmicky yeah you could say gimmicky could be a word for that and then, not that but he, 1917 was bad by right, any means but. right um but here I, he he is just a very controlled it's it's the it's the honestly to me it might be the best type of cinematography um because it's it's intent is there, but you don't notice that it's happening. Um, And that's the type of thing that even I am am not great at personally. Like when I, when I think of cinematography for like the way that I would create something, it's very much so like, let's have them notice the, the crazy creative stuff that you're doing. 
Um, and I think that's cool also, but I, I'm, I'm not so good at the other type of thing where it's that I, I think that requires more skill because it both requires you to be creative and also for the audience to not notice that you're being creative and it doesn't draw attention to it. Um, and here I think it, there's just such control over the camera. And that also relates to what the, the literal subject matter of the film, which is the, the nature of uh, Ryan Gosling's character, Kay or Joe, um, depending on which part of the film you're in. And um, his Let's start with K, seeing yeah. that nobody's going to start this movie from the middle. Right, right exactly. Um, Ryan Gosling character K himself being uh, like he's a robot and he acts robotic, and his kind of movements have that nature to it, and the camera movements uh, imitate that through through their motion. And 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 it's not just him, but it's the entire world has this cool, um, not cool as in like. Uh, you know, like cool, as in like the K balance, the 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 warmth of the light. Yes, not like that either. <laughs> no, not like that. No, like like the it's got would, it's got a very chilly vibe to it because it it is a world that is past like organic things. That's true. There's like no trees anywhere. It's and very there's bleak. also very little humans in this movie. Yeah, the, the movie almost entirely revolves around the replicants. I think it's the this. only human is possibly Jared Leto's character. And Harrison well, Ford, depending on whether or not you think he's a replicant, and the head of the police that K is under, and the yes, and numerous well, right, but they're not there. Those are not even hardly in the, and those are not the focus in the movie either. I know. They're really only the the humans are really only there to establish the fact that the humans hate the replicants and are oppressing the replicants, which gets into this movie's metaphorical purpose, which I don't necessarily want to cover yet because I don't. I, it's, I got a lot to say about do you, that. Do you want to wait until we start storing it? Yeah, or? I just feel like... I, okay, I can, okay. let me reveal my, my, my hand. Okay. I think this movie is a metaphor for uh, basically the Jesus Christ and John the Baptist because you look at everything that the, the movie is saying and it's got all... So basically, you've got the replicants, which would be representative of the Jews who were oppressed... Um, and the humans are the ones who are doing the oppression, which that's established. And then you basically got um, them, all of these replicants who are coming together, waiting for uh, their own savior, which would be the replicant who was in fact born miraculously, like Jesus was born miraculously. And then you've got um, Joe or Kay, who believes that he was born miraculously, which John there's the Baptist... A, and there's evidence that shows it in the, in right. the film. So Joe, so uh, John the Baptist, who was also born miraculously, and who other people thought that he was going to be the Messiah, um, and then and then John the Baptist says, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm the forebearer for Jesus Christ. Um, and so basically what the movie does that's so brilliant to me is it takes that idea of other people who thought that John the Baptist was going to be Jesus, or not Jesus, but was going to be the Messiah, and gives that 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 narrative plot thing to the character himself. So so Joe basically thinks that he is the one who was in fact born rather than made as a robot. Um, I see, and it just leads to a and this and that that's what the the whole experience. The, the whole film revolves around is on him trying to figure out where he comes from and coming to terms with whatever it is that he has to come to terms with. And I just think it's like that. And, and once that clicked for me, I, I've seen this movie three times before this, before I watched it for the show. And then I watched it and, and, and something just clicked. And I was like, it's, there's too many similarities for that not to be intentional to me. Um, mm. And if it, it, regardless of whether it's intentional or not, just leads to a very 
very fascinating emotional core happening in this movie that like I just couldn't ignore. All right. Well, do you want to then uh, get into our categories here? Yeah. All right. Just so you know, you're making a pretty bad first impression. So first impressions is always our first category here. And uh, you said you watched it three times. How did you feel about it that first time you watched it? Uh, three times before I watched it, and now I've seen it four times. Okay. Um, first time I watched this, it, it was a 10 out of 10 for me on first watch. Um, watching this in the theater was is very much a different experience. That would have been really cool. To watching at home. Because um, like even when you watch it at home, I have a pretty. I feel like I have a pretty good sound system at my oh, house. Yeah. You got the surround um, sound and all that. Especially compared to the, the some of the theaters that we see that they just have no sound. But the theater, <laughs> I saw it in the super screen, oh, so that it actually been had the good sound. And I and it's on the big screen, like and it's Dolby just like Atmos. the thundering bass on this movie, which is that alone was like just blew my mind because it's like you see something like this, and it's just like. That is willing to just literally let you watch something. This screen, this this uh, like basically a helicopter shot of the cityscape, and they just thunder the bass as he's like, you're just vibing with Ryan Gosling. Yeah, it's just like amazing, and that's honestly the reason why I loved it this so much the first time because it's just a great theater experience. Um, but again, after that, I kind of like digested what the movie's trying to say more because the first time I had no idea what was going on necessarily in this movie. Um, in terms of like even the literal plot elements a little bit, I was a bit confused, but but especially thematically, I was just like, I'm not really exactly sure. Um, and now I think I have a better grasp on that. But first time it was still, I was like, walked out of this like, okay, that's a 10 out of 10 movie because I just feel like my bones were rattled for two and a half hours. Hmm. Yeah, Dunkirk kind of did that for me with the Oh, audio. Dunkirk for sure did that to me also. Um, yeah. I, so so what would your official score be then for first impression? Uh, it's a 10. Okay. Um, right now, I think I have it as a nine, but it's literally right on the edge. Okay. I would say for my first impression of it, I would give it a nine because this was my first time watching it uh, only a couple days ago and I was very pleased with it. I Like I said, I thought it was better than the original Blade Runner. Um, I wasn't expecting it to be the way that it was. They definitely advertised it to be much more Harrison Ford heavy uh, with how the trailers went for it, but no, this is pretty much... Um, Jake Joan Hall's Ryan Gosling. Oh, I'm sorry, right? Yeah, my my bad. You're good. You're Ryan good. Gosling's uh, film. I mean, this is his. This is his movie. It is. N there's no doubt that he's the main character this time around. Yes, they have Harrison Ford coming back, reprising his role um, from the last one, but that isn't till way later in the film. Yeah. And this is a long film. This is a two hour and I mean, excluding the credits, I feel like it's somewhere like two thirty five or something like that. Yeah. So. But I think the way that they bring Harrison Ford in is like one of the best possible ways you could think of. Yeah, and 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 and, and, the, and how integral he is to Ryan Gosling's character. Um, I feel like a lot of times with these types of movies that are coming back forty years after the original, um, they're going to bring back somebody like Harrison Ford. For I can't think of another example off the top of my head, but they're going to bring somebody back like that and just use them in a in a very either gimmicky or or inconsequential way. Um, so like you think that just because he's at the end means he's inconsequential, but that's totally not the case. No, like no, he no. overshadows everything that happens up to the point he actually comes into the movie. Yeah. No, I'm not uh I'm not saying that he did a bad job or no, that it was yeah, just kind of thrown in either, there yeah. or any of that. No, I'm saying he did a great job and what right, his part plays a huge chunk yeah. of this, but uh but you just but the way that they I was going into this expecting him to be there like second half, like yeah. right away and he was Well, I think it's honestly probably a worse movie if he is. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's interesting. Harrison Ford in his, uh, at this point in his career, it, it's hard to fully nail down if it's helping or hurting certain films because sometimes his, <laughs> like, 
like like with Ender's Game? Like, did you really need Harrison Ford as the the one general or colonel or whoever? I don't remember that movie at all. Sorry. You know, like there there I are sometimes it, when it's just like he might not be necessary. Certain times it is. Um, but yeah, I I would still give this a nine for my first impression. But uh, the next category is. And uh, with story, I would say this one again is probably a nine. I really liked it. I liked how it kind of evolves as you watch it and you don't expect it to go the way that it does. It definitely throws uh, a total like left turn in there at one point, And you know what I'm talking about. And I, I, I mean, we delved into it a little bit, but I'm not going to uh, go too far because I feel like that is something you should experience. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on the story of it? Um, it doesn't have the the razor sharp plot that you would think of traditionally. Yeah. Um, because it, it it does. If you look at it and see how long the scenes take to play out, um, you could you could accuse this movie of being meandering. But I really don't think that's that's that the, it is at all. I feel like, like the first movie does more than this for, for sure, sure. Because well, for with twenty forty nine, it is shocking to me how concise it is for how long it is if that makes any sense at all yeah. like it well, every scene has a purpose right that's what i mean that's what i mean like every single scene ha impacts the overall narrative even though like it ends up being like you look at something like once upon a time in hollywood which i love to pieces mm -hmm. um but it doesn't have this type of the same type of plot it, it's very much uh, a hangout movie in a lot of ways yeah um, and each scene is important um, but it doesn't affect the plot in the same way. Does that make sense? Yes. So like, it, there's a difference between being important doesn't have the and affecting the and affecting the forward moving plot. Yeah. Um, here, I feel like it definitely it, not only is each scene important, but it also affects the forward moving plot. You just don't necessarily realize it at the time. Um, and I think that's like a crazy magic trick that that's pulled off here. Um, and I think that's the reason. Why, like, I want it's it's a two and a half hour long movie um, oh, that cool. feels like an hour and a half. And it's a not only a two, it's a two and a half hour and a half long, two and a half hour long movie with a pretty quote unquote slow pace. Um, it it just is astounding to me the 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 plot work being done here. Who was um, the writer? I'm trying to remember who the so writer the was. So the guy who the guy who wrote this also wrote the original Blade Runner. I I forget his name. Did he really? Okay, um, so he's that's cool. He's he was probably sitting on this idea for quite a while then. Yeah. So I think it so it was Hampton Fancher. Is his name, but yep. it was also co-written by Michael Green, and then Philip K. Dick also gets screenwriting credit or get gets writing credit because he wrote the original um, novel. And and Hampton um, also wrote the screenplay for it. He was the guy who actually like, like I I was watching it. it said screenplay by him, and then it was writing, and it was yeah. Hampton Fancher is, is actually is actually the this got story credit and screenwriting credit, yeah. and then he also has a screenplay by credit to Michael Green. Got it. Um, and yeah, I think he did a fantastic job. And again, I think this one keeps the viewer invested much better than the first one did. Yeah, like you're much more aware of, like even though you don't know like quote unquote where it's going, you know what it's trying to do to a certain extent. Like where Blade Runner, I just kind of felt lost. Yeah. Um, and and that's just, like again, like and there said, are it's scenes not in Blade Runner. Thing. I feel like, like Blade Runner is kind of doing it something a little bit different. So it's not necessarily bad, but it's just here. I I enjoy what Blade Runner twenty forty nine is doing more. Yeah. And, and, and I understand the it. first Blade Runner, I felt like there were times it's like, you know, all right, get get going with it. We get it. Okay. There's these like weird tinker toy people and yeah. great. Okay. That one dude's going to bump into that wall and do his little spin around and keep walking. Great. Okay. We saw that one time. I get the joke. You know, it's like this movie doesn't do that. It cuts the crust off it. It is, it is ready to go. 
and and but it I, still allows the atmosphere to to, to, to take over and the, yes. and build and, and 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 penetrate you in ways that you don't expect. Like it it just um, you're able to live inside the world while also not wasting time. It's just it's just a like I you kind of just, I don't even I can't even think of a negative thing to say about it. But but besides just like the the plot. It also has great character work being done, yes. um, especially for the fact that it's into, most of its characters are robots, um, and you get and you get like even uh, Kay's uh, girlfriend. Yeah, I, um, I I actually thought her storyline was fantastic yeah. too, like really really good. And well, you also get some uh, Pinocchio vibes, or not Pinocchio vibes, but Pinocchio parallels with that kind of myth and how she's like, or she says, "I want to be a real girl." I'm pretty sure because yeah, he gets, he gets her like this this device that can yeah. because she's like a hologram woman and kind Illusion. of like a probably use the right word. Sorry, what's well like it kind of gave me like the movie Her vibes. If you've seen Her, yeah, yes, um, it definitely. Uh, I did think at the first watch, but uh, so she's like on this this rotating board situation. She's kind of like a household, you know, like an Alexa or anything like that, like today. But it's a hologram that can walk around and talk with you and do whatever. Um, and then there's like an, uh, an upgrade, <laughs> there's an upgrade that you can then bring that hologram anywhere with yeah. you. And then it essentially can, it, it improves everything. And it's, it is essentially giving that hologram freedom. And, um, it, it was her character, I believe it was Joy, right? Wasn't yeah, her? Joy. Yeah. She's, she's a very complex character in this and we can get into that in the next category, but what's your, st uh, store for story? Um, I think because I gave it a nine. I think I'm gonna go nine also. Okay. It's not quite the ten level because I feel like there's some like again the characters are robots so you don't it, the character development here is 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 great but I feel like it's not the the level of something I'm trying like uh like other films that I've given tens like Casablanca. Or, okay. Yeah. Well then our next category Where's is. And. uh... Yeah, I, I would say the acting in this is phenomenal. I, I can't think of a single bad performance. I, I thought every everybody uh, was great. And is that Jared Leto in this? Yeah. That is him? Okay, I wasn't sure. Because usually I, I, can't, I can't... He's probably, I think he's the worst part of this movie, but... I thought even... But his character was still interesting. And, yeah, and his character is interesting. I just feel like his... Like, I don't know. I, something about him in this movie, or maybe it's just him as an actor. Like, his 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 he's very portentious in this movie uh, that's part of what his character is um that he's like saying these broad philosophical ideas and well, he's like that, so self-important about all of it that's um, the ridley like, scott movie trope i would say is they always have like these bad guys who are you know very deep and you know very kind of standoffish just let yeah. like they have like these big plots that just kind of unfurl around them philosophically and, arrogant is yeah that a, is that a phrase that's a good way to put it i would um, say and he's and definitely there he's that's so the, that's what the character is though and but like the performance that leto brings to it at times feels like leto himself seems like he's more important than he actually is it's just mm. it's just a weird type of thing i don't know i just feel like like and like i think feel like i <sighs> i i think that um, Ryan Gosling and and I mean, just I think he, him, and the girl who plays Joy. I don't know who that is. Uh, Ana de Armas, they um, both, who was also in Knives Out, gives a fantastic performance there. Also, yeah, I think I think they're both fantastic, and I think Harrison Ford does a very good job. I think uh, whoever the police chief is, she's great. Yeah, Robin Wright. 
Yeah, she's she's awesome. So I I would. And then you've it, also got the the Leto's um, uh, kind of yeah his assassin replicant lady. Yeah, she uh, she's fantastic as well. Yeah. Um, so and I she would also has adding, a really interesting character and kind of the way she like they they have all the between K and the rep and her and then uh, the what's her name is love love and then also the the prostitute character um all of them replicants who all respond to the state of being a replicant differently yeah. um, and that that allows them to kind of uh flesh out the the world of what's going on better i w so i would give acting a uh, 10 here i i don't i can't think of a single bad performance yeah um you you didn't like Jared Leto as much, so I don't yeah, think you're going to give gonna, it a 10. I'm going to give it an 8. I think the performances are solid across the board here, but again, um, similarly to story, there's just it's not the type of mind-blowing thing that you're seeing here. That's The, the acting here is not what's mind-blowing about this movie yeah. to me. All right. Uh, this category is, I feel like... Oh, sorry. What was your... Cat? Well, I didn't write down what your score for acting. 10. 10, okay. I think this next category is going to be probably the easiest to store here. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I got a bad feeling about this. Hey, Harrison Ford. I got Ford. a good feeling about yeah. this. <laughs> uh, look and feel. All right, I'm just going to write down 10 for you yeah, right now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I mean, I love, right the, the, I love the world of Blade Runner. I think it's beautiful. It's one of, I mean, it's one of the, there's, there's, a, there's cyberpunk aesthetics and steampunk aesthetics that are so awesome, yet are almost never done in, in movies. And 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 this is like literally the definition of like what a perfect cyberpunk type reality would look like. And there still has yet to be a, a movie that does steampunk right. But uh, this one is is fantastic. I does, think does it, Mad Max count it steampunk or not? No, really? I don't no, 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 no. Steampunk, steampunk is like uh, imagine like eighteen sixties technology, but like. Uh, <laughs> more airships and or 1860 so like style stuff maybe I don't know 1860 style and but like everything like is like that has and, a and lot of, grand Miyazaki has a lot of stuff with like airships and that type of uh, or, thing like in the, in Howl's Moving Castle kind or, of um, kind of you're moving a little closer but it, it's Castle in the Sky also it's 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 a little hard to explain actually you know what the best way to say it, it's like technology progresses like the world progresses and be and there are cities that grow and all this stuff but like aesthetically it stops at 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 like 1860 yeah that's that's kind of the the thing with this it's all victorian it's all uh you know an obsession with cold and steam and yeah. all this other stuff and it, it's just kind of cool but yeah uh but 10 for sure would you agree yeah with this one all right then let's uh move on to our last category here which is it's gonna have a psychological effect on how the audience Perceive. With effect here, uh, I I was definitely much more pleased with this than the first one. It has a more satisfying ending, I think. Yeah. Um. I yeah. I, well, was I don't think that's entirely fair because the first one is is not intended to be quote unquote satisfying in the way that everything kind of like wraps up nicely. But go on. Well, if you're gonna leave 35 years between the first one and the second one, you gotta kind of have some sort of satisfying ending. Otherwise, that's a long cliffhanger. You know. Uh, to see what what these characters are doing, but this one I think really really did a better yeah, this job. This one's not trying to be ambiguous. Yeah, um, I, the first one definitely is. But just for uh, expediency I, here, yeah. I'm going to give it an eight. Um, yeah, I th I th this is first of all, it's just it's a it's a it's a vibe in itself, and the way that you kind of just buy with the aesthetic of this, and that and that has an effect, like I said, with the with the base and kind of the how that you just experience it as it just feels like a movie. Yeah. Um, 
but but psychologically and emotionally, I also connect to this movie more than you'd expect for a movie that does kind of feel so cold on the surface. Um, I just feel like it's very attached to memories. Um, and I have memories of watching this movie um, from like two or three years ago. Um, and I feel like that just kind of like attaches me to the movie itself. And then I attach to what it's saying about memories in the same time. Uh, so I'm going to give this a nine for effect overall. Okay. Then when we come back, we will give you the scores for Blade Runner 2049 and then begin our review of Alien Covenant. So stick around. On Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, we invite accomplished people on our show to answer the truly difficult questions. Their reaction is refreshing. The next time you have questions like that, ask somebody else. All right. <laughs> Thank you. At least we try. Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the news quiz from NPR. Saturday morning at 9 and Sunday at noon on the Ideas Network. And we're back here on 90.3 WRST FM Oshkosh. This is Script to Screen. I'm Max. Joining me here is Gideon. And uh, Gideon, what is our score for Blade Runner 2049? All right. Final score for Blade Runner 2049 is a 92 out of 100, which makes it our third highest scoring film ever behind Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and The Dark Knight, oddly enough. And what uh, is the one at 90? I believe we have one at 90, right? Uh, 12 Angry Men. 12 Angry Men. Okay. Yes. I, by the way, if we rescored Dark Knight today, my scores would be way lower. Do <laughs> you think so? Yeah. I, <laughs> I give it almost 10s across the board, and I definitely don't think that anymore. Okay, well, maybe one day we will uh, re-go over that. But uh, right now we have uh, Alien Covenant to talk about. So another uh, film from the Ridley Scott universe, the sequel to Prometheus and prequel to the other Alien films, correct? Yeah. Because um, I have really only seen... This is the first ever Alien film I ever sat down and watched it 100%. Other than other than Alien versus Predator, both of those. That uh, would be a really weird way to watch this, I feel Well, like. I just don't understand the timeline at all. Like The timeline is weird, and I and, and that's why I, it's, it would be weird to watch this, because the, the first Alien movie takes place like 30 years after this or something after, like that. Okay, because I was it's very wondering. Much, and this movie is literally about the fact of how it is so... Like, so okay, that's so basically how it Prometheus, leads into... Well, Prometheus takes place super, super close before Alien and, and the timeline Two, 2001, didn't make 2104, then, I believe, right? Yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. I don't know what it is. But then Alien Covenant comes along and explains why Co Prometheus oh. was so close to Covenant, to, to the original Alien, basically. I see. And with the way that the alien evolved. But it, but that was 10 years before this. So I'm trying to figure out the timeline here. So Prometheus would have been 2094. This is 2104. Uh, I, when it, and then Alien is like 2130. Like 22. I mean, it, and... and 2,200. Okay. And there is the colony that these guys are trying to set up in, in Covenant here. Are they trying... Is that the colony that... Um, they go and explore and get the alien in the first alien film or no that's well, not it no i don't think so okay because that i'm just trying to like piece this all together and i still don't understand how because 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 at the cause I, you see it's so i don't, don't want to spoil man. it because the ending of this movie is pretty awesome um but but you based see it on coming happened, a mile away you know, i'm yeah, sorry for to sure. say you totally do i and i and, and this is why i didn't like this movie so much on the first watch because i was like man that's such a dumb thing because I totally saw it happening. 
Um, but then on the second watch, once you know what's going to happen, it 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 makes more sense like thematically. I didn't need and it's a just second more satisfying. watch. I didn't even need a second um, watch. I saw this coming like an <laughs> like forty minutes before the end of the film. I'm like, well, there's only on. like a there's only like ten minutes between when it happens and when you find out. That's the part where it's like feels stupid and is, but it's whatever. It doesn't matter based on what happens at the end. Um, at the very very end, that's kind of, they that from there they take the stuff to where you see it in Alien in the original film. That's what I'm... Okay, so that's why I'm just kind of curious. I still don't understand how this works with the Alien vs. Predator universe because... The Alien vs. Predator universe is not canon to this universe. It's not because, I, I mean, so. there are aliens, like, attacking a Mayan pyramid, man. Yeah. They're, like, attacking a Mayan pyramid, so that would put it, like, you know... Yeah, those are not canon. Thousand, or, like, 1,200 years before this or something like that, like... I never understood that. That's why I confused the heck out of me because yeah, I'm like, there canon. already were aliens, like, so I, or xenomorphs, you know. I don't, I don't. So it, it threw me off, and obviously, I, I realized that the cardinal sin of of watching only the Alien versus Predator movies to get to being my first steps into the Alien franchise is definitely the worst way I could have done it. Yeah. But it's because I don't like I mean, the Alien, or I never wanted to watch the Alien movies, and I love the Predator movies. So I just I was watching it just to see more Predator content, not Alien content, you know. Uh, <laughs> but but this one, just to quickly summarize, at least the beginning of this, without going into too many spoilers, um, that these guys are there's a, a ship that's traveling and it's got all these people in cryo sleep, kind of like passengers almost, and they're going to a more like the original Alien. <laughs> Again, haven't seen it. I know. I've seen bits of it. I, you know, but that's about it. I saw the part with the the replicant where he's like, I can't remember if he was like dismembered or what. But my my point in bringing uh, that up is just the fact that this movie is very much um about the the structure of a horror movie or the structure of the original Alien mm -hmm. and the way that it can the movie kind of plays with that and that's why I think it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, go on. Uh, but this film, uh, <laughs> it plays with how things can play out with while still adhering to the same structure, which is yeah. yeah. So, so these people are Which is colonists. why it doesn't make sense to watch it before Alien, but yeah, sorry. sorry. These people are colonists, and they are about to go on this... They're, they're on this journey to this planet that they're planning on terraforming somewhat. Uh, so, obviously, the planet they're going to is a little less than hospitable. Um, some An anomaly happens. It wakes these people up out of their cryosleep because it was an emergency, and then they come across a gargled up space message and it draws them to this previously undiscovered planet which the uh, characters from Prometheus have which seems like a great place traveled to seems like it's going to be a nice uh, place yeah, to sit down yeah, and yeah, settle I mean, no animals there that kind of you know it's a little freaky uh, but you, obviously you learn I mean, why yeah. also important is the fact that the, the mission is comprised only of couples yeah well I, I mean they're terraforming this planet. They probably want like people they, to like procreate. That's and, why like, they're doing it. Is the, yeah, the, 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 it's a it's a colonization mission. So yeah, and and not great for a movie where a lot of people die. It, it means there's yeah. going to be a lot of widows and widowers. So, um, but yeah, so they go to this place and then they find out that the ship from Prometheus is there and uh, uh, almost a replicant again. But what do they call them in this? Just synthetics? No, what do they call the robots? Uh, Think, yeah, I think it's synthetic is the word. Yeah, synthetics, replicants, I mean, it gets to a point where it's just, just call them robots. But <laughs> but yeah, so David, who was in Prometheus, uh, apparently traveled to this planet, 
yeah, synthetics. And uh, you find out some that there once was a civilization here, not very long ago, actually. It was, you know, when they got there, there was a civilization and some bad stuff happened and wiped the civilization out. That and scene was great. I, I So I watched this yeah. before I watched Prometheus. Oh, really? Um, I've since seen Prometheus, but... but um, when he came down and all that stuff was happening, I was like, oh my gosh, what is going on? Yeah, it's, it kind of blew my mind a little bit, but it makes more sense with Prometheus. But I feel like the the effect, the, the, the horror effect is better if you haven't seen it, honestly. Yeah. So, so it goes on, and these people then find out there's some funny business going on. There's a couple uh, aliens funny that business. come about. There's a couple of, you know, you're less than typical xenomorphs. Uh, they're not full xenomorphs just yet. Uh, and they're, they're around and they start, you know, doing what xenomorphs do and massacre some people. And uh, it's it's pretty bloody and it kind of goes into where the xenomorphs come from and goes into all the all the fun lore, which I'm not going to try to spoil here, but instead yeah. we're going to get into our categories. Uh, so what is your first impression for this, Gideon? Um, I gave this a six the first time I watched it. Okay. Um, so again, if we're going by... Whether I feel like first impression, I see this. I still haven't completely made up my mind on this, mm. um, so I can. I think I have to give it a six because that's what I gave it the first time I watched it. Um, the most recent time I watched it, I gave it an eight though, just to put that up there. So I, I'm gonna, I would give it a seven. I I would I I summarize this as gory, but entertaining, because uh, there's a certain level where it's like I gotta like look away because like you know yeah the I mean it's it's not as effective as the original Alien has with its like simplicity. Yeah. The first chestburster scene being like one of the most like that one is one I can I can manage, universe. but it, like it's not to me it's more like it's it's less gory and in being less quote unquote gory, like it finds it finds terror in the simplicity of the reactions and 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 the, yeah. and the simplicity of the character design also and just how it's like elementally terrifying. Yes, um, and that's why I find Alien just to be more scary than this in general because this again like right mm. it, it does have the gore. But again, I, would, I would rather watch Alien than this because I I, yeah. I at least know that it you know it doesn't get this crazy with it and modern horror you can just do so much with special effects and yeah. everything and this this is just special effects are great by the way like no um, uncanny valley here I would say oh yeah. it's real uh, real real good and very real <laughs> yeah well and I and I think that the the, the blood and gore and stuff here it, the movie is still scary this movie mm. I still think it's effective as a horror movie but I feel like that's and that's and that's it. Uh, and it's good that it it's, has it's, that, but I feel like that's not the most interesting thing happening here. I almost would say it's not a horror movie. It's just a. It's a sci-fi. No, it has I, to. I think it has to qualify as a horror movie because it, it's a, adhering to the the genre tropes, um, and and genre tropes that are not only set up in horror movies but set up by uh, the previous Alien films, um, including and then, Final and play, Girl, which right is exactly, like, and then it plays those plays those types and just makes them happen in different ways so like for example at the beginning you've got the first uh the first alien penetration happening with the thing going into his the ear spores, of, it's like fungal spores. yeah instead of having it go and having it instead of having a face hugger yeah um which is just which we learn why there and are face kind of huggers spreads later on. and it just spreads from there and then the way that happens like when how we get to the final girl idea um, and then kind of the way that the 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 the, the villain's not dead trope, um, the way this movie plays with that is also really interesting, I think. So okay. so, so I said a like that's the most interesting part to me. And that's why I mean that the twist doesn't bother me so much because it is it is using the it is playing the villain's not dead trope in a completely different way that applies thematically, um, which is what I find so interesting about it. 
So I, I said a seven for my uh, first impression. You said six, and then you said you're feeling more of an eight now. So are you well, going to split the difference I, and go seven here? No, because I gave, I gave it a sure. I'll, I'll split the difference because I gave it a six my first watch, and I gave it an eight my second watch. So let's split it. Yeah, sure. Split the difference. Go with it. It's seven. Okay. Uh, our next category is... And uh, with the story here, I felt it was really good, really, really good, actually. Um, I was very pleased with with how it played out. And um, only thing I didn't like was the ending because it was very predictable. And um, Yeah, but again, like I said, predictability is not necessarily a fault. Uh, it is when it's like, like, I'm just like, come on, man. Like it, I if, think predictability if, falls into effect, not story, is what I'm trying to say. Mm. Like predictability is an, is does have an does have an effect on, on your experience with the movie, but I feel like that falls in the effect category because predictability does not does not mean the story itself is what? not solid. Its foundation is is what I'm trying to say. I suppose I feel like it's not that uh, predictability. I suppose it can be a part of story, but I feel like it's more an effect. If that if that makes sense for me, it still it still applies for me. I think that if you are going to do what this film tried to do at the end. Similar to other movies like uh, Life or things like that, you have to really do a good job yeah. at hiding it so it has the maximum effect. And if if I'm calling this this twist or whatever happens, you know, I like, feel like almost the mo life, almost though. the first moment you can, then that then that is an issue. Same. Yeah, I, I agree. So so um, I I think for story because the end just kind of drops out for me a little bit. I think I would give it uh, a seven, but ev but I've, I, it was like a ten movie. It was like a ten level or ten ten point quality story up until that, and then it just brought it way down. And I was I was kind of bummed by that because it was yeah. Really but see cool. that the reason I'm going to give my score story an, an eight, and the reason why is specifically because of the ending. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like even though it's predictable, like what is doing from a story perspective and from a theme perspective, and why the film is doing that. Um, is just so much more interesting to me than what's happened up to that point. Um, yeah, well, I, that's not entirely true. The, the lore stuff they cover with with the, the the David and Walter characters are the are the most interesting part of this movie. Also, isn't is the yeah. other thing? No, and I would um, and I would definitely agree. In the cave and stuff, and the wit you find out with it, like all that stuff is just like, and the way the reveals happen, it's just it's just it's just uh, structurally uh, sound from all of that stuff. Okay, so competent, yeah. Okay, next category then is acting. How do you feel about the acting in this? Um, again, Walter and David, the the dual performance by Michael Fassbender is far and away um, and above anyone else in this movie. Like it's not even a close comparison. Like he's giving a nine out of ten performance, and everyone else, except maybe Catherine Waterston, is like a five. I thought Tennessee was pretty good. That was uh, right. Who's he, that actor? Uh, I, I've Danny seen, McBride. I usually despise his acting roles because really? he always plays these like goofball, awful people I kind just, of characters. I just watched uh, Tropic Thunder. Well, other. I was literally about to say. <laughs> I just watched it. Is I just Tropic watched Thunder. it like two nights ago. It's, it's so funny. Is in that, that the movie. first time you've seen it? No, I no, saw. I've okay. seen it before, but it but is. He's like, great in that, yeah. but but other than that, like. Uh, this like what is it? This is the end, and like movies like that, I just can't stand them. Oh yeah, those types of movies. I mean, but this is the end was just annoying to me in general. But, but this, but this was pro by far the best film I think I've ever seen him in. I think he can obviously shows that he has the range to play a serious at uh, a serious role and can do it very well. It's just he he decides to go with his buddies who are all these comedian yeah. and and comic actors. Yeah, like he plays and, that tragic moment well. Yeah, and he, and he plays like, everything well. I, I there, yeah, he did a great job. I and and. 
I think everybody was was good with acting other than Oh man, maybe, I forgot he was in Up in the Air. He gives a great performance in that too. Sorry. Maybe maybe the um the 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 captain or the the captain that doesn't die, you know, in like the first like 2 seconds. Um I can't think who's is James this? Franco? No, I'm saying after him. James oh. Franco was the one that dies in like the first oh, 2 seconds of this film. Yeah. The the, the captain so who's the captain for the longest movie. time. Uh I forget his name. Isn't Sorry. he in, isn't he the guy who played Hulk or am I thinking of somebody else? The no. 2004 Hulk. Because he kind of oh, looked Eric like that Banna? guy to me. Oh, maybe, yeah, maybe not. No, it's not Eric Bana. It's um, Billy Crudup, I think. Okay. Well, I didn't like him, but everybody else I thought was great. Um, so I would actually give acting probably a nine. Um, I'm going to go seven here, too. Like, it's just everyone else is giving a competent performance, so like five or six. Okay. Um, and then, again, uh, oh, shoot. What was your story score? I just I just erased it. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, your I, story score? My story would be a seven. Oh, okay. I and then your acting was a nine. Yeah. Okay. okay yeah. We and, good? Then, and then Michael <laughs> and then Michael Fassbender brings that five or six up to like a seven. Okay. Uh, all right. Then we should go into our next category here: look and feel. Um, this is this is a complicated one, so I'll let you start with your vibes for it, because maybe that'll bring something to light here for me. Um. Like you said before, the the visual effects are are standard. Um, no uncanny valley happening here or anything. Um, it's not again. It's not as effective as as the as the practical effects happening in the original Alien. It's not as uh, simple in its design as the original Alien, but it does still have that kind of creepy vibe. Dude, like you look at the poster and it's got like just this weird painting, like this this uh, this uh, uh, what's the word, like tap tapestry of of horror. <laughs> And just terrified people with an alien in the middle. It's like that kind of thing is just like it's got a very uh, um, uh, interesting darkness in the way it paints darkness. Um, and so I think that's all all good stuff. Um, but again, it doesn't have that elemental thing that the original alien does. And that's why I love the original alien so much. Um, but it's still playing into that type of thing. And it, But again, it's also not inventing anything new from that perspective. Um, score is nothing I even remember. Cinematography is probably fine. So again, with these types of movies, what you're judging primarily is like creature design and and set design and stuff like that. Because um, th there's nothing about cinematography that I really remembered here. Um, I'm gonna go seven. I'm gonna go with an eight. I think I, I I liked it a lot. I thought that what they did with like the the sails, like the power collecting yeah, sails for the ship was design. cool. I thought that their design for the planet was pretty neat. I thought. Um, vehicles were on par with like the alien universe and somehow like looked like they predated and are kind of splitting the difference between the vehicles you see in alien and the, and the modern day stuff. So I thought that was perfect and spot on. I thought the visuals with the, with the creatures were great. I think maybe the only thing that kind of loses it a little bit is with like the alien people when you kind of see some flashbacks regarding them. Um, they look fine. I, I was like, eh, and, and certain effects just kind of. I don't know. There were there were some moments where it just seemed a little off to me. I it's hard for me to put my finger on one specifically, but I think overall I would say an eight was eight would be sufficient. Um, maybe sometimes some of the some of the technology was a little too advanced for the time it's supposed to be in. When you look at like the technology they have in the ships in the original Alien, because it looks like then it like devolved and it shouldn't be devolving. Kind of what happened in Star Wars, yeah, too, when you look at the prequels and then, like, it goes to the original trilogy and the prequel technology seems almost like it's better. Yeah. Um, 
So with that, I, I, I think that's why I would give it an eight, but I th- still think it visually was very good. Um, then our final category yeah. here is effect. How do you feel about the effect? Um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed this movie. Um, I feel like element or uh, visceral, visceral reaction to this movie is not so, so great as the intellectual stuff happening here. Um, I'm going to go seven because again, like the horror elements are, are, are coming to, they're not as effective as the original alien. Or even the the action adventure stuff that's or action thriller stuff happening in in Aliens, uh, both of those are definitely much more effective movies in terms of an experience. Um, but here, I just think there's really some really interesting things happening in, intellectually in the way that it plays into to the Alien franchise and saga and stuff like that, um, and thematically overall too with what it's saying about like how creation works and how the things that we create can destroy things, including us. Yeah, um, it, it, again, just like Blade Runner, it kind of tries to be this philosophical movie on, on like, I, I guess you could kind of say creation. and Yeah, and but I think this is a little bit more didactic about it. Like, it's very much uh, transparently about creation. Um, yeah. Like they say, they explicitly state a lot of literally. that stuff. Whereas, whereas Blade Runner is able to communicate a lot of that stuff through its metaphor of, of a robot being created. Um, like, it never explicitly, except for Jared Leto's character, talks about any of that stuff. Yeah. So what would your score then be for Effect? Seven. I I think Effect would probably be, yeah, I would say, oh, man, I, I'm between a seven or a six just because I do think that ending kind of dropped out, but I already kind of negated the store for that. So I, I'll, I'll stick with a seven. I think, I think it's a little too predictable at the end, but I still think overall it was a good movie. Um... I have seen bits of Prometheus, and this definitely seemed better than Prometheus to me. Yeah, to me, Prometheus was very was a lot less focused than this was. Yeah, um, it still has that those same philosophical ideas happening, um, but it doesn't have the the engine of a horror movie that this one does that makes this one work the way it does. Got it. So then, what is our final score here for this film, Gideon? Final score for Alien Covenant is a seventy four out of a hundred, which puts it right below the way way back and right above Chronicle. Ooh between two of my my top two favorite movies there. Uh, All right. Well, thank you for listening to 90.3 WRSC FM Oshkosh. This has been Script to Screen. Coming up next is The Shuffle here. And uh, you have a good rest of your evening.